Hey, everyone, we're back for another episode of It's About Time. Um, I am Fred Richardson, joined by my co-host here, Brett Smith. How's it going, guys? Um, our mission here is to talk about pinball, the world of pinball, the people of pinball, the events of pinball, the locations of pinball, um, and really crack outside of stuff that's already been covered. I think that there's just so much out there so much of the pinball world yet to be discovered and talked about so hopefully that's what we do for sure that's the goal so let's uh, go ahead and jump right into our first subject we're going to talk about uh, the texas pinball festival right you ever been i've never been would you like to yeah definitely okay i'll drive <laughs> next time yeah uh texas pinball festival i've been there a couple times uh great show yeah, I saw the, the couple streams that were going on. It looks like a pretty nice event. It's a really good show. Yeah. It's a good size. Uh, they always get a lot of great guests down there. Um, I've seen Lou Ferrigno was oh, there really? one year when we were down there. Really? That was super cool. Oh, uh, they had Eddie Munster there one year as well uh, with his car from the show. A couple cars he has. He's a collector. Mm -hmm. um, so they get good guests. Uh, they have a large tournament that goes on. And there's always lots of fun and mayhem yeah, happening how, at that show. How was the event this year? Um, I did not attend this year. Uh, it was good. Everybody that I talked to uh, seemed to have a good time. Um, you know, definitely looking forward to going to it next year. I do recommend if you have the chance to make the time to go. I know that uh, it can be a little bit challenging to get into the tournaments. Um, they do signups quite a bit in advance. Um, they're heavily populated by local people. And so they tend to sign up quickly, fills up. And mm -hmm. so, um, you may not be able to get to go. Um, I know that the people that were there for this year were signed up from 2020. Wow. So, um, <laughs> it's that big. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we had COVID. Well, you're seeing a lot of events popping up now in 2022. Uh, because, Absolutely, you know, because of the absence of COVID, so I'm happy to see things back. Um, I started playing during COVID, mm -hmm. so um, I've only been to a handful of events. Uh, I've yet to travel outside the state yet for an event, but I can't wait to do it. No, that's next. Yeah. That's definitely on the agenda. Um, also, what goes on out there, uh, our friend Emoto um, helps host the Twippy Awards. Um, nothing that we have to worry about. That will never be anything that comes our way. We will be Twippy free as long as we can. Yeah. Um, but that happens. And I know she uh, had another good show. And so it's, it's neat because that's a location where people want to do their game reveals. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you can uh, see or hear about a new game. Awesome. Well, on the subject of new games, Cactus Canyon. Oh, we just got our copy of Cactus Canyon mm -hmm. from Chicago Gaming Company. Um, now, that is a remake, right? From yeah, year? yeah. It. Um, oh, I'm going to butcher this because <laughs> I don't quite remember. I want to say it was one of William's last games, um, 1999, perhaps. Um, I know that uh, George Gomez did the playfield, and... Um, Chicago Game Company uh, picked up the license for it, and they're mm -hmm. the ones that have redone Attack from Mars, Medieval Madness, Monster Bash, a few names you may not have heard of. I joke. <laughs> um, obviously, they had some very successful titles there. And then now to follow it up with Cactus Canyon, which was a game that wasn't quite completed. 
when it first came out. Um, and they were able to get Lyman Sheets to come over from Stern. And uh, he worked on the game and finished the machine. Yeah. So I like the way it plays. It's quirky, I like the little call outs. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a very fun shooting game. It really you is. You get into a nice little groove. Um, there's some cool tricks you can do with some dead bounces coming off the left um, orbit, left wall, actually. Um, I really like the integration of the drop targets popping up yeah. in the middle. And I can imagine when that game came out in like, what, 98? There might not have been games that had that. Sure. Medieval had the trolls. The trolls, yeah, but okay. not like drop targets per se. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I like about it is it's got a different flow to it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the kickouts, uh, when you hit the, the mine, it kicks out in the back where the pop pumpers are. Yeah. So it comes down the left turn. Uh, when you hit Bad Bart, uh, kind of your sort of South Park uh, toilet hole mm -hmm. kind of shot, uh, fires out the back and comes around. The side of that so you know it's not going to be a free-flowing game you're going to have to stop catch and shoot and i think that's part of what makes it fun yeah it kind of slows the game down a little bit i really like the uh the right ramp has kind of like a yeah. turn around at the top yeah feels so good when it turns around and come on down what i do like about the game and i'm not sure if it was in the previous model but the beer mug that little uh it's like a target it's not even like a target it's just like a metal wall really it's between the uh the left orbit and uh -huh. the lock shot, there's a little piece right there. Is there really? Yeah. And it's weird. I mean, you, you would think a stand-up target would be there, but no, it's just like a metal piece. And uh -huh. You hit it, and it, I think if you hit it like a certain amount of times, you get an extra ball. You got to be kidding me. Yeah. I don't even... Because <laughs> I weird. know you have left orbit, and yep. then you have left ramp. And then you have the scoop, which is the mine where you lock balls. Exactly. And right between there, there's another shot. Is there really? Yeah. There, it looks like a stand-up supposed to be there, but... Yeah. I got to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that, is it kind of like the Rick and Morty light the lock shot where it's just a bar, but actually. No, it's just like a solid, hmm. solid wall. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Next time you go on there, you know, try it out. Pretty straightforward it, yeah. when it comes to rules mm -hmm. on that game. You know, you've got uh, your five shots where you hit three times, start something. Uh, so we're all kind of used to that. Um, and then you've got the things that you have to uh, build on the play field in order to get to your final wizard mode, mm -hmm. um, which includes completing a lot of things, shooting a bunch of those bad bards, finishing up your quick draws, finishing up uh, your uh, gun shooter. So there's like two different versions of that. Mm -hmm. Fun game. Uh, what I like about it is it's not licensed. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just a... Uh, different art. Yeah, it's just a... Free game. Mm -hmm. Reminds me a lot of kind of like uh, Whitewater. Yeah. You know, and I think that we need more of those. I mean, we get so caught up in licensing nowadays when you look at, you know, the money that's being spent. You know, back in the day, there was a lot of games that were made without licenses, you know. Um, so I, I, I'm thinking like Pat Lawler's first game, Bonsai Run. You know, it's 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 not a licensed game. It's about... Uh, motocross, right, you know, racing, but, you know, maybe a few more of those and uh, spend some more money on the toys. Yeah, I think in the modern world, it's hard to sell a game if it doesn't have a licensed thing. Because, you know, the people that don't know about pinball, they walk into an arcade, they're going to put the money into the game that resonates with them. Like Hot Wheels. Um, sure. You know, you might love the game, you might hate it, but the, random, the most random person is going to come in and just put money into it because it's Hot Wheels. Oh, Absolutely. You know, I know Hot Wheels. Cool. Well, I know at uh, at our location at Bangback, you know the games that 
earn money are your Jurassic Parks and, uh, you know, Stranger Things and uh, Star Wars, Mandalorian, um, even Godzilla. You know, they uh, obviously all license yeah. products. So I don't know. It's really easy to say it's hard to pull off yeah. being able to do a non-licensed game. I remember, yeah. uh, you know, they were talking about Steve Ritchie's, you know, he's doing a non-licensed game. Well, it was the third Black Knight. Which, okay, but at, at that point, it's licensed. Yeah, it's it still kind of got its own license, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to go back on uh, Cactus Kane, uh, Lyman did the code for that. Yeah, so okay. he finished the code for the game. Okay. Um, so kind of completed all the rules, uh, the final wizard modes. Yeah. So and, who was the first to pioneer the idea of, um, you know, complete a mode on every shot, and then you get a wizard mode, hmm. just like a. Type of Mars. Um, Medieval Madness. Stranger Things. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, those are Brian Eddy games, okay. uh, but I don't know if he was the first pioneer that, um, but it certainly makes for an easy read on a game. Exactly. You know, easy for rules that sort of carry over from game to game. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's recognizable even when you haven't played the machine. Yeah. You're not going to find that, say, on Godzilla. You know, you don't just hit the shot three times and suddenly you're rewarded with something. No, yeah. you got to hit it eight times and <laughs> then finish the shot. So <laughs> there's stuff everywhere in that game. I've noticed they uh, added new code because last time when I was down at a, at the arcade, um, there was like a, an energy bar or something at the top. Yeah. There. Um, and then Godzilla's power up. Yeah. You can hit your scoop and, um, you get to choose mm -hmm. your things. I wasn't in there. When yeah. The game, so. Yeah. I liked seeing, uh, that, uh, progression in games. Yeah. I just, I, just played one game on it recently uh with the new code and i think i got it up to godzilla power up nine or something like that i was surprised it kept going because i don't think the meter yeah. is that high but yeah i think i remember getting to five and it was 50 mil both sides like yeah. that was the choice so <laughs> um i don't know how that affects any of the progression on the game it's just stuff that you have to pay attention to and mm -hmm. see if it fits into what you're doing it's a fun shooting game it really is but Cactus, Cactus is too. So yeah. really like the game. People are enjoying that. It's under our stream right now. So we got we to gotta get it on air. Show some people playing the game. Definitely. Cool. What's, uh, what's earning the most at Big Mac? Well, Stranger Things is usually our number one earner. Okay. Um, the reason that is is because it's an experience, because we've got the, the model and, you know, the setup around yeah, it definitely. so you know we designed it like the upside down in the show and so people like to go back in there if i could if i could throw a hood over every one of our games i mean that would be remarkable i think people would really <laughs> it, uh, feel like you're stepping into a movie booth by yourself mm -hmm. and uh so that one does really well but you know usually it's the newer machines um that come in everybody wants to play what's new mm -hmm. Um, but we've been blessed with a lot of, you know, really great games released in the last couple of years. And so we got a lot of machines in there that have staying power. Um, you know, it's not all stern machines. I mean, our Rick and Morty does really well. Um, Guns N' Roses does well. Hot Wheels is doing well. So yeah, it's, it's nice to have the variety. Very cool. At least from manufacturers, as far as, you know, having solid states in there and, I had a gal today that wanted us to take her 
her uh, big brave and put it in there. I'm like, oh, it's an EM. And she's like, you don't want it? And I'm like, well, it's a good game. It's a really fun game, but yeah. it's not going to earn. We'll wait for the state championships to come around next January, and then we'll bring those games in there. Yeah, I think Columbia needs a uh, kind of like a boutique area yes. where you have about, you know, 10, 10, 12 EMs. Oh, I couldn't um, agree more. You know, something like that. Yeah, I mean, we have 24 machines in there. I don't have a lot of room to put more things in. I love introducing kids to pinball. Yeah. Um, you know, I love walking to an arcade and you kind of see a kid walk over, gets his stool, kind of put it up, and, you know, starts flipping. Um, when he starts just banging on the flippers, not too much. Yeah, yeah. When <laughs> yeah. they're hitting them at the same time. Yeah, at the same time. You get that that synchronized. It sounds like uh, like crickets chirping at night, except for it's really loud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think growing the community is really important when it comes to the youth. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we've got a little flippers program down at uh, Bang Back that we have uh, once a month on Saturdays. Uh, we bring them in. So every Saturday is family fun time from 11 to 3. And we have cartoons on the TV. We got kids bop uh, music going on. We turn all the swearing off the pinball machines. Um, and then once a month, we host little flippers. And that's a structured program where we actually teach kids about pinball. We speak about the uh, the language of pinball. Um, that's been kind of the most fun part is watching them younger kids talking about pop bumpers, return lanes, orbit shots, mm -hmm. you know, they actually know what they're doing on the machine. This past month uh, was actually my turn. First time. Well, the very first one that we held, I talked to, I showed opening up a game and we talked about it and stuff like that, but that was about six months ago. And now this time we talked about competitive pinball and uh, brought out my two world championship trophies and had the kids look at them, hold them and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That was really neat. And we mostly talk about just kind of, um, you know, good sportsmanship and, you know, being a good competitor and what that looks like and, you know, how to win gracefully and, and, how <laughs> and, not to... and lose gracefully also. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't talk too much on that. <laughs> yeah. Competitive pinball is definitely different from a casual play. It really um, is. And when I first started, I would just go in and just do the same thing I always do. You know, if I didn't know much about the game, did my same strategy. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that wouldn't work sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so now what I do when I approach a game, depending on what the game is, I go for my one strategy on ball one, see how that goes. And usually yep. that's depending on what game it is. It's just building some things up mm. just so I can see what happens ball two. Yeah. So if I build some things up, uh, progress some modes, maybe progress some multi-ball, and then I sit back and see what everybody else does on their ball two. Sure. And then that allows me to go back and say, okay, now I see where I need to go with mm. this. How many points do you need to win the game? That's it. One more than it. person in second That's place. It. That's it. You know, it's funny because with that sort of mentality, it's interesting listening to you describe because you can totally go tin cup on that where you just, you know, I'm going to force that multi-ball and then be done and it yeah. didn't happen. Um, what I find really interesting is there's a strategy on a game when you're on location playing the machine. And then sometimes when you're in competition, the strategy is different. Yeah. I think of like uh, Star Wars. Okay, when, when I see a Star Wars, if I'm going to play it on location, which I don't because it's such a grind, yeah. um, you know, I'm usually starting with R2-D2, and I want to go all the way and battle the Emperor. Okay. But when it comes to competition, I'll usually pick Han, and the reason is because there's quick points there, and you can immediately get 
two of the the multi balls just simply by choosing indoor and then hitting your inner loop and getting your hoth mm-hmm. your hoth you only need one mode and it's video mode and boom you're into you're in there multi ball yeah and then with indoor you know you got to do your two sets of four green targets and that'll get you into another multi ball if if i'm successful doing that with both of those multi balls i usually come out of there with more than a billion mm-hmm. and that's going to give me a fighting chance in most scenarios yeah. um not at super high level stuff and you're going to need at least two but so it's 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 different in the way you approach a machine um the other advice that i give on um you know when it comes to competing is you know definitely have your plan you've got your plan and one of the things i suggest to people is not to watch other people play other than if you want to see the way something kicks out the way the ball bounces something like that sure but it really should be kind of your plan of what you want to do with the game oh these games these days there's so many shots to do you know one thing um I'm still trying to figure out rush. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I understand the different, you know, combo jackpots that you could do. Sure. Um, I understand shooting your records first, kind of build up those modes, but yep. I still don't have a reliable strategy. You know? Yeah. I mean, either comes with those new games. We put, uh, we put new code on it last night as of this recording, we're at uh, 0.93 and, um, I'm just learning kind of where the multi-balls are. Yeah. You know, you get your far cry by hitting the spot targets, and now they've updated it where it used to be hit spot targets, lock balls, lock two, you start. Mm-hmm. Now you got to hit the ramp, just yeah. like you had to do on the second stage of mm-hmm. locking them. Uh, you can go up that center ramp a number of times, and there's a multi-ball there. Um, you got a multi-ball over where the guitar and the instruments are. Yeah. And you clear those out two times, kind of like Walking Dead, and start a multi-ball there. So for me on that game, I just like trying to get in a groove. I just like trying to, you know, can I hit the ramps? Can I hit that inside left orbit? You know, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So Yeah, and there's a strat there with those uh, drop targets that I kind of figured out the other day. Because if you look at the, you know, bottom left of the screen. Yeah. You know, you got, I think one target is drums. The other targets. Guitar and bass. Bass, yeah. And I think, you know, the drums are the pops. Mm. I think the guitar, the bass, one of those are the spinner. Okay. Yeah, so you can kind of build up values by hitting those, those nice. targets, and then you can kind of, like, cash them out. And then you collect them on the, on the center ramp, don't you? Yeah, so that's your combo jackpot. Yeah. So that's your one, two, three. Um, okay. So that's the strategy I've been trying to figure out, but you have to be pinpoint accurate. Um, <laughs> it sucks. Right. Um, so what you what you do is you do one, two, three, and then that's, that's one jackpot. Sure. You, know, you can cash it in the middle for times one. You do it over again, it makes it times two. Yeah. Yeah, so basically you can, you can do one, two, three as many times you want. Yeah, cash it in for like you know times yeah. five. You get there, but those shots are hard. I've, I've spent time just you know putting money in that machine, just seeing how many combo jackpots I can get. I think it, I got up to like times three one time, and I was like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten really kind of I don't know spoiled with having like Kevin Martin coming over, and as a former programmer, you know the way he tears apart a game is completely different than I do. Yeah, and I love it because he's a programmer. Tell me what to do. Why is it not, you know, telling me? And so he's really kind of opened up my eyes a little bit to trying to see what the vision is of the designers and what are they trying to get you to do, which in turn, you know, helps me and helps me to be able to teach other people as well. Definitely. Marco Pinball's mission is to provide pinball machine owners one source for everything pinball. 
They offer over 30,000 individual parts for thousands of pinball machines to customers around the world, keeping pinball out of the landfill since 1985. Visit them at marcopinball.com. All right, welcome back to It's About Time. I'm your host, Frederick Funky Fresh Richardson, along with Brett Smith. That's your cue to say hi, Brett. <laughs> How are you guys doing? We're coming cool. back from a short break. All right, next up, we're going to interview uh, my good friend Donovan Stepp from Denver, Colorado. Um, Donovan is a great world-class player. Um, he's also one of the best repair technicians that I know in the country um, and also an operator. Been an operator for a long time, so looking forward to digging into some of those things. Hey, Donovan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Fred. Good, man. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for the kind words. uh, Thanks for having me. No problem at all. So um, one of the things we're doing with our show is we're just trying to break out of sort of the echo chamber of of the current, you know, podcasts. And they're, they're somewhat, you know, in my opinion, smaller view of the world and so we're just trying to bring you know new faces new names in and uh you're certainly one that's been around for a long time and i think people need to know about you a new old face yes (laughs) (laughs) nof um yeah there we go uh let's start real quick with uh you know what got you into pinball how long you been uh in the scene Oh, well, um, my, my mom actually started operating pinball and video games back when I was growing up, probably, uh, about the age of 10, I'd say in the late seventies, uh, she went and got some games in what was a male dominated world actually had to, uh, go out of state because none of the local distributors would sell to her. Holy crap. And uh, she got a few machines, brought them back, and then uh, started operating in a skating rink, which turned. she married the owner of the skating rink. He built a place called Funplex, one of the first family entertainment centers. Nice. Uh, and I just kind of grew up around it like that. That's how I, uh, it, it wasn't really a choice or anything, mm-hmm. but I, I really enjoyed it and uh, just continued to to just do that after I finished high school. Yeah, no wonder you're so good at this. I didn't realize it's it's in your blood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> second generation operator, technically. Yeah, what are some of your favorite games? Um, geez, I mean, I'm I'm always kind of towards the uh, new stuff. I mean, growing up, my I really she operated uh, Captain Fantastic, uh-huh. Evil Knievel, and Stingray are three that kind of stand out to me um then then it was black knight and then into all the uh system 11 stuff of course Mm -hmm. uh black knight 2000 pinbot and uh now you know then then it was all twilight zone for quite quite some time because that was the first real dmd game that i that i got interesting Um, because mine was t2 Oh, nice. It yeah. was it was I'm, T2 and then Adam's family. Yeah, I had some time with uh, T2, but by then I was I was working at the Game Exchange mm-hmm. uh, d- distributorship in Colorado, and he wasn't a Williams distributor at that time. Oh. When he, so I I was having the joy of playing Rocky and Bullwinkle <laughs> and uh, Star Trek at East stuff like yeah, Batman, Hook, <laughs> yeah, Bangarang. You know, but uh, but yeah, and, and then of course, 
as I soon got into competitive uh, pinball in the late nineties there. Uh, and then I, I really started kind of just going towards the new Stern stuff and, and all the deeper rule sets and, you know, a lot of the, the games that Lyman coded really drew me in just Amen. because of the great things that he did. Let's, uh, let's build off that. You talked about getting into competitive, um, you and I met, oh, God, I don't even know what year that would have been. When did I come? 92, I believe it was. Was it really? Yeah. Wow. Paul, Paul Madison was able to remember that. Yeah. Uh, and the, the games will kind of give it away. It was Adam's Family, Lethal Weapon 3, yep. Super Mario, uh. and Getaway. Wow. So you've been, you know, you've been competing a while. It wasn't late nineties. You were, you were in the game early. I, I, we played that because it was a big thing coming to town local. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but after that, I didn't really know about any of the competitive stuff. Mm. So I just kind of went back into a hole until about 96, maybe or so. And then by 98, we were, going to Chicago every year and getting to know you guys. Yeah. I mean, I also, I don't know if you recall, but the first time I met you, we played a nice game of Super Mario Brothers. I was going to bring that story up. I do remember that. (laughs) You want want to explain to people what happened? (laughs) Well, I dropped a billion on this uh, hot shot from out of state that came to Colorado. House champ. And uh, said, what's up? Right. And then you just kind of... Politely went over and turned the game off and told me, "Okay, you win that one. Let's go play Getaway." <laughs> I didn't even play my third ball. Like, <laughs> yeah. nope, nope. And and went on to win, of course, which uh, uh, that that grinded on me a little bit. But I still, I mean, we just considered you guys the ringers that came into right. town. You guys really gave us a, a view of what was to come as far as the competition that was going to be faced down the road in competitive mm, pinball. Mm-hmm. Where was that? That was in a mall, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a, it was a Tamarack square mall. I think it's kind of defunct out here. It got sure. kind of re redone. It's not really a per se mall, more to, more of a couple of strip malls now in the same mm. area. Okay. And then you talked about kind of uh, traveling. And so what, what were some of the, the bigger events that you first went to? Uh, Chicago Expo. Oh, yeah. Um, and we would go, I think we went from about 96 or 98, I want to say, mm-hmm. uh, for about, I remember going for about six years yep. before I had any type of success. I was able to go and basically qualify every time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you remember those, there was a hundred player long line wow. for eight different machines. Things. 10 of the eight or 10 of the same title yep. and uh, just grind away. And the top eight were a division and the next eight were B division. And then you would play a one game playoff with whoever yeah. you were stacked up against. I, I remember being, and uh, we always ended up seemed like we would always get paired against Neil shots yeah. and he would just show up and just mop the floor. We called right. it the Sunday morning bloodbath too, because <laughs> And we would have, we'd stay up half the night on Saturday night. Oh, yeah. And they're they're playing finals at 9 a.m. And, you know, we're the young new new guys that weren't smart enough to go to bed and get a good night's rest. I know that's right. I remember getting beat up by Jim Belsito quite often. He would 
come out there and yeah those guys i mean but then yeah you'd have jim belcito and neil and people like that also mm-hmm. in the b division right which right it was kind of a misnomer kind of different and then and then we got uh then we had pinball and so that kind of expanded it out a little bit and made the competitive side a little more fun yeah cause cause ran that and that got a lot of fun and then we finally started hearing about papa yeah and that was around 2004 yep when kevin uh, bought it and brought it to pittsburgh and then finally around i think 2004 was the first year that i got i got a trophy in the b division at expo Mm -hmm. and then by 2006 i was i actually took second at papa in a yes uh, I remember that with with Lyman and Keith was third. Yep. Regardless of what they say on special when lit. (laughs) (laughs) Did they get that wrong? Yes. I I actually (laughs) just watched it the other night. I watched the tournament section of that movie and it's yeah, they say that I was third. Keith was second and Lyman was first. And that was the results on the final game. But then. Right. Not they, overall. They said that Keith got second. One of the only times I actually beat the guy. Right. And I did. <laughs> they they filmed it and got it wrong. And then they also Andre was in the top four with us, mm-hmm. and they don't even mention him in it. Oh, oh man, brutal. So, but you know, it's. I still I watched that the other day, and I actually don't mind the way special when lit turned out. I didn't. I I've as yet far to as watch the competitive it. section goes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I I find out whether or not I'm in it, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna watch it. So, <laughs> <laughs> got a face for radio. That's why I do podcasts. But, um, but yeah, I remember Since coming then, out to Colorado oh. for uh, Rocky Mountain Pinball Showdown. Oh yeah, I don't remember when I started doing that, but I remember traveling for that event for hopefully trying to win five hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean that that one could have turned into something special and yeah uh, for for reasons yep that we all know we don't that... need to divulge <laughs> don't got to go down didn't. that too much but uh i mean and and honestly i mean really the lesson to be learned there is people that are going to host events if you're going to have tournaments you want them to grow you know make them worth coming to make them you know um price money and whopper points and the things that matter to the competitive player today you got to make sure you are maximizing those yeah the the tournaments aren't there to make the organizers rich Right, right. <laughs> so, it's to bring people uh, in that may not come to your show. Yeah, I mean, and the the door at the shows, but I mean, there's yep. so many shows now that it's 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 a joy. Amen. Yeah, there's a lot of choices, a lot of options, and we just keep getting busier and older, and and you know, got to make those selections carefully. Yeah, well, and there's there's a lot of young people that are uh, very willing to travel and have mm-hmm. a lot of success, and then that keeps keeps them able to travel. That's right. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was sort of, um, well, I, I I moved out there to Colorado in 2006, and you were kind of my anchor, uh, having known you for so long, um, and really watched that scene blossom. Um, it was great. You know, me, you, Adam Higgins, then, you know, it was just a really good group of people. Uh, great scene. Uh, I've got mad respect for the Colorado pinball scene. I've, I've, 
talked about it a lot, telling people, you know, this is how people get along. You know, all you operators all knew each other, you know, um, which is super helpful as well. But one of the things I remember was you guys getting ready and going down and tearing up TPF in the early days. Oh, yeah. I didn't go with you guys, but uh, tell us a little bit about that. Um, you know, it, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what or how, but, uh, yeah, we, we started going down there. And then, like, I, that was the first, one of the first real big wins that I had. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the year that was CSI was the tournament game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but hey, whatever. And they had those super tight tilts. Yes. And I, ma- I managed to win that tournament uh, with Bowen, Keith, Trent, yeah. like some big names there. And, and that one felt real good. Cause I'd been, I think I'd won the showdown by then. So mm-hmm. I kind of done some Got stuff your name locally, out there. but mm-hmm. not, not where the big guys were, you know, cause they right. weren't coming to Colorado by that point or something. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, it's when was that? Oh, seven, Oh eight. When you, uh, ah, gosh, uh, I almost want to say later than that. Sure. Maybe like 2011, mm-hmm. but, uh, Honestly, it's you know the you know how it goes. <laughs> These all start to blur, but yeah, sometimes the tournament wins are are better when there's better players there that you know you weren't sure you could handle and things Absolutely. just turned your way. Like the the one of the one of the years I won the Colorado show uh, was also a year when Jim Belcito and Keith Elwin yep. and Eden Stom and all. Yep. Just yep, a ton of players. Mike Mahaffey. Yep, yep, the whole gang. So, God, like there say, were some of those. Those it, wins are great. Some of those years, I remember. I remember Josh coming out. Josh and Zach coming out. Oh yeah, the sharp. Yeah, yep. we used to we get some players out there for sure. It was it was really building. I remember you guys going down to Texas, and yeah, I remember you talking about the tight tilts. I remember you talking about like they were still swinging ten minutes after you shook a game. Um, yeah, you know, kind of the mystery spot of Texas. Um, but then I also remember one year you going down with the whole crew. It might have been the year that Fedge rode his bike down there, um, and ended up having to get picked up in Texas. <laughs> but uh, dude, so crazy. It. Love that guy. But made it to the big Texan. He did. And then um it was like a big sweep. I remember you coming back, like the whole gang would just had swept a whole bunch of the events and Yeah, everybody'd have a plaque. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's that really in my eyes helped put uh Colorado on the map for yeah. uh, you know once you start beating people, they they notice you. Yeah. And and I'm guilty of that too. Like Sure. I, I can meet people quite a few, see them at tournaments and you don't, you don't really, you know, you forget who they are by the next time you see them, you right. forget who they are the next time around. But then once they beat you, you remember them. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but it was that Papa that you uh, properly showed me how to shotgun a beer. <laughs> okay. Remember that? Beers yeah. out of the trunk. 
<laughs> oh, sure, man. Sure. I was a shotgun master back oh, in those Oh, man. Days. I have showed so many people now all the technique that, that you gave me with that, man. That was gonna... back when I could actually punch the hole in the bottom of the can hey, with, thumb with it. my thumb. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you got to do that. Can't pull a key out. You got to thumb gun it. Yeah, you got to thumb gun it. But it makes it yeah. a perfect little half moon, man. It's great. You know, I, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Not that we have on tape. <laughs> yeah. yeah cool, those cool. Are, those, we used to party a little more at the shows, but uh, oh, I don't remember. After, after a while, it's you just realize you're probably going to do better if you kind of <laughs> stay straight and oh, yeah. party a little after. What do you think about that, Brett? Is that good advice? Um, it's great advice. Um, Don, I'm play, I've been playing for about two years and I've I've learned my threshold. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I'm at like an eight-hour tournament, um, maybe two beers a cap. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing about yeah. that is once I start drinking and depending on if I'm doing good or bad, if I start doing bad, I drink more and it's like, oh, who cares? Yeah. But those tournaments where there is dry, I, tend up doing, I end up doing way better. <laughs> yeah. Way more yeah. confident. I, you know, I play controlled, it's slow. And then once I start getting to those later rounds and I'm feeling good, I might have a drink or two and kind of like, you know, yeah, calm yeah. down a little bit. Here it comes. When you're when you're within an hour or two of the finish line, yeah, uh, that's when you can kind of start cracking a couple of the maybe not IPAs, but uh, yeah, <laughs> get a couple Budweisers in. <laughs> Donovan's the one that uh, that taught me about the butter zone. Yeah, <laughs> he says you got to get in the butter zone. Yeah, just just have enough. You're feeling good, not too much. You get sloppy. That's the yep. butter zone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Very true. It is. Uh, tell me what you're up to these days and um, sort of what's next on the horizon for you competitively and uh, professionally. Well, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm operating out here uh, mm -hmm. and dealing with the one up. I have yep. that location that I take care of the 30 machines that are in there. Uh, a lot of them are my machines. Yep. And uh, then I have just a smaller route with about five different bars that mm -hmm. I uh, operate about 20 other pins and then all types of other stuff, touch tunes, jukeboxes and pool tables, pool, pool pool tables? tables mm -hmm. big buck, foosball, all coin op stuff. Yeah. Um, As an operator, have you seen any uh, current trends happening with pinball? You know, it's, it's pretty popular. Um, and but awesome. it can still be pretty unpopular in some spots too, amen you know mm -hmm. uh you get some of these kitty stuff and this but uh i mean in general it's it's just holding its own uh some some you know when you've gone to the dollar pricing sometimes it runs people off or sometimes you feel like man that's got to be really expensive for these people that just play for 30 seconds yeah you know? yeah um are you so guys that, up to a dollar yet you know we are at the one up and okay. then at, uh at one of my other places uh greenfields i'm i've gone to a dollar there finally okay good um which i took them all to le's mostly and mm. premium machines and put bill acceptors on them all keep them all going really good and I, yeah. I didn't really receive any pushback there. Good. Which was which was nice because I was I was ready for it. But uh Yeah, Colorado I'm, was fifty cents forever. Yeah. Forever. If it wasn't for 
COVID, I think mm-hmm. uh, we'd probably all still be at 50 cents out here. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, there's something about a bill acceptor that just makes me put a dollar in. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think about it twice. You know, when it's a dollar, it's like, okay, I physically have to put those four coins in there. But it's a bill acceptor. It's like, oh, that's easy. Yep. And it feels, yeah, feels well, different. And you're cutting the break at, you know, three games three for, for two dollars. Yep. Now they've got us, they're sitting there. It's like they're at the car wash, you know, just yeah. pumping quarters into right. this thing. So, and yeah, there's two of us. So we want six, you know, it's so many coins, whereas a couple pieces of paper, slip them in there and go. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a little easier for people to not feel the sting, I guess. But, uh, yeah, for sure. If if people, a lot more people are aware now, I think of the price of the equipment and they realize that a pinball machine can be close to $10,000. And fifty cents isn't going to pay back that return. Nope. So not for I three mean, years. It's just anyway. the way it is. But yeah. uh, and Fred also got me on board with touch tunes as opposed to AMI jukebox. <laughs> <laughs> got to mention that. <laughs> well, hey, they were the ones that made the change that uh, their credits. Yeah were able to be used everywhere. That was the thing that really held TouchTunes back was mm-hmm. that you bought credits and you could only use them on their jukeboxes at those particular locations. locations yeah. So I had credits, you know, at eight different places for, for jukeboxes I was never going to use. Yeah. Whereas it's... AMI had, you could buy credits and use them anywhere. Yeah. You know what this uh, whole Stern Insider, I've always thought about how far that will go. Mm-hmm. I could maybe see that, you know, you, you have like a subscription service or something, or you load, yep. up, load up credits on that QR code and you just walk into a bar and scan it. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think you're ever going to see pay yeah. going with that. It's such a weird thing. Well, a lot okay. of things are weird. I think first, you yeah. will, Fred. Do you? I think, okay. I think the whole end game of, and I don't have any kind of insider information. Sure. <laughs> no Um, but uh, I think their whole end game is to get to a model similar to Golden Tee or mm-hmm. Big Buck Hunter, Rothrills, yep. and all those companies that are are getting a small piece of or a or a decent piece in mm-hmm. some cases of the operator's cash box. Sure. Um, but pinball. I don't know, man. That's it's a it's a scary thing, and I think it's going to turn out being a lot more popular with home collectors and home players mm-hmm. rather than the uh, operators. Do you think so? Interesting. Yeah, I think the operators, if they start trying to take your money, they're just going to disconnect the kits and make the money. There's, yeah. I don't yeah. think there's enough casual players that care about it to truly keep the operators there. I mean, that's where they've rolled it out mm-hmm. so that everybody can just play it. Everybody can have it mm-hmm. and they want to get all the players, you know, going with it. Yep. And, and then they'll try and turn it on the operators to make, you know, consistent revenue coming back in micro or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the operators won't be able to pull it away because they're they're addicted going to complain yeah and that's really so, kind of that's sort of the direction that i was seeing as far as handling payment uh what, what was the bluetooth thing on your phone um name escapes me right now where you could put it was like a pocket wallet and you could put credits on there every machine had a dongle uh, a lot of the operators didn't like it oh the pay range pay range 
Yep. Yeah. And I loved it. I thought it was really cool. Like I remember going to a, a bowling alley that had pinball machines and I didn't have any money on me, but I had credits on my phone so I could play pinball. So with pay range, you could actually use it as a pay service. So when I was getting ready to open up paying back, I, I hit up the CEO, Presh Patel, and talked to him about it. And he said, yeah, we kind of got away from pinball. He said, we make all of our money on um, laundry machines. Now, I was like, oh, okay. Ah, I yeah, can see that. That makes sense, sure. Um, with the pinball machines, like, it, it, there was some confusion when the games were all really close. Sometimes it didn't read correctly which game you were standing in front of and stuff like that. But um, it was really expensive. I mean, it, it and they tried a few different models, and I think the operators just finally sort of balked on the whole thing and they got away from from pinball but handling cash for a service is like a different level of licensing and so that's why you know i'll be interested to see if stern goes down that road for me what i thought that you know their end game was was a getting information um you know it's funny because for for decades now they've paid people to go out and pull reports and get data off the machines so they you know had broad data for them for the development of the pinball machines and with this i mean you're just handing it to them you're giving it you know yeah. how, how many multiple directly and, look into the absolutely yeah. but so. i think what's going to happen is us as operators we're going to be the ones footing the bill uh, my belief is you talked about you know golden tea and you know games like big bug hunter um you know and and your jukebox you know that you have to pay for those and so yeah. at some point i feel that's coming down the pipe and that's what we're gonna have to do as operators we're gonna have to pay for it and, and i also i also am curious if i don't know if golden tea is actually operated overseas and stuff the way pinballs are Right, right. So, so that's where the other money thing comes in with mm -hmm. money money from over there or now Insider Connected can't work overseas right. or something because of the financials on it. Right. Yeah. Incredible but Technologies I, has bigger lawyers than, you know, Stern. <laughs> um, geez, who knows, man. Yeah, but, <laughs> possibly. I can definitely see, like, online leaderboards also. But, you know, the thing with pinball is every machine's that. different. You know, at least with the Golden Teeth and stuff, it's just straight software. Um, but sure. But when you're dealing with the pinball, I mean... You can easily take a post out on, out on something yeah. and make a difference. Or like a not, tilt or something. Not like have that. a plumb bob. Yeah. That too. So there's a lot of variables for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, I mean, comparing scores across games, I've always just been like, it's a joke, you know? <laughs> like one True. slingshot can be different or a tilt or the, the there's so many variables that it's just it's not feasible but everybody's clamoring for it you know yeah I mean, you know you talked about it that you kind of said that you didn't think it was too popular i'll tell you i was out at mgc uh, a few months back and stern had set up oh god at least at least 20 machines <laughs> if not more and they were doing you know insider connected um high scoreboards and every single person playing everybody had it on their phone i mean it was just it was pretty incredible to see everyone walking up to the games and, and of course they had you know different high score competitions happening and so people were trying to work their way up the leaderboard and whatnot but every person that was playing the game pulled out their phone bleak, and did that before yep. they started so i was encouraged by it 
Yeah, and it is, I mean, it's popular. Mm. Um, it also be it would be interesting to me if if they did start charging operators, are they going to charge just on what that game makes or are they charging just a little bit whenever somebody plays a connected game sure is it a flat fee or is it going to be a sliding scale flat fee is it is it a slice of the box or is it five cents every time somebody uses their phone and connects right right so I'm I'm sure that's all oh, grinding I'm, away oh, at yeah. Stern right now. <laughs> yeah, they're working on that. I know that they are building out that department and uh, developing. I can't fault them for it. No, know? no, no. But I don't have to like it <laughs> as a right. operator. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look at how much money you've been paying on your jukeboxes. You know, since you started yeah. that. Like. Well, and that goes to the artists. Yeah. Oh, well. yeah. Yeah, yeah. BMI and ASCAP for sure. Yeah. For sure. That's but, part of it. I'm sure a lot of it goes to them too. We don't really know. I got a feeling. So uh, what's up next for your competitive calendar? You know, I am, uh, I think we're both qualified for the world championships out in uh, Florida. Florida. Next month. Excited. I've I've got a spot reserved. I uh, need to get a plane ticket and do some other stuff. Right on, uh, right on. I haven't done any arrangements yet, but I'm planning on going to that. Good. And for right now, that is the only thing that I mm-hmm. kind of have. Um, yeah. If is it, it wasn't for that, I would kind of be considering maybe going to the ZapCon thing. Sure. Uh, I'd like to go to a state that I haven't been to. Yeah. And, uh, a new show and just, yeah. you know, you see a lot of the same people, but you see some new new faces you get to see a little bit of a new town or something mm-hmm. and uh, that that was kind of what got me going around in the first place you know sure. after chicago there there were more shows popping up and we'd mm-hmm. go to vegas and have a good time yeah. or california extreme and now you uh, never went out to new york right you, you didn't attend no, any of the no. pop-ups. yep i almost went for when uh levy had his yes his yep. NYC championships, yep, but yep, yep. Nate kind of bailed on me, and then that trip just didn't happen. Freaking Nate! So, I know. Anybody? Yeah, anyone else from? Uh, we're, we're joking. We both like Nate. Um, anyone <laughs> else from uh, Colorado going to Worlds? You know, Adam um, uh, Escher qualified. Escher, Adam and Escher. Okay. Yeah, Adam, okay. Adam made the cut. With, Adam did too. Uh, Good. Good. Some of the people that dropped, and Escher is. Uh, up there. Pressure's going as well. Of so, course. Of um course. and gosh, by the next Walt will probably be qualified Jeez. to use past me in the world rankings finally. I, I friggin' love that yeah. dude. Brett likes him too. I love seeing that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's he's funny. He's past me in that, but he still has about a hundred more tournaments to win before he catches up with me there. It's <laughs> <Man, laughs> a lot of work. Walt's a good guy, man. He uh I remember when he started at the one up and he would be there and he'd be doing well and then all of a sudden he'd disappear. He wasn't there anymore. So <laughs> Yeah. But he's he's got it together now and I he's know. he's on a roll. Yeah. So yeah, I got to see him. Uh he was out in uh at Indisc. Um yep. brought his girlfriend out there and got to see him and he was just like Brad, Brad, I haven't seen you in forever. And yeah. So he was my buddy and um you know, he ended up being one of the uh, one of the talking made, points of that show. He made it to top. I I don't or I think he went out in top eight. I think, I think so. so yep. Yeah, 
he did really well and that's his first major tournament that's yeah. the first time he'd played out of state the first time he'd played you know with, with the big boys a bunch of big names yeah. and a bunch of uh people that i know he admires and look forward to playing with and you know he just i mean he's he's a musician too and he was kind of stressing mm. out there at some points like on the screens and stuff in the finals and everything and i was like dude it's it's like being up on stage playing guitar yep everybody's just listening but nobody's hearing any of the mistakes you're making no. right they're all you're the only one that knows yeah so don't sweat the the camera being up there you know yeah. and he ended so. up being kind of a kind of a showman for the camera well, too which was funny you know he was those games fit his style like there, yeah. there weren't there weren't a whole lot of real tight tilts up there. right right uh i mean shadow had a pretty tight one i remember mm-hmm. uh and a couple others, but for the most part, Jim left all those games very playable. Yep. Yep. Uh, which I like. I mean, there's, you can go through the software to make a game harder. You can go through the, the adjustments on the play field with yep. posts and rubber mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then you can tighten the tilt if you're, yep. uh, yep. which is kind of one of the lazier ways. To go <laughs> I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I couldn't agree but sometimes more. Sometimes it's the only way you can go that's really going to work. You know? True. <laughs> yeah. The, the more I play, I appreciate a game that's been changed just a little bit, mm-hmm. just a tad bit. You know, I, if it's, I don't really like a factory default in tournament. Sure. Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. The way I'm going now. Yeah. I think I, that in, in this Godzilla was a great example of that. You mm-hmm. know, they they changed the rules just enough, mm-hmm. and then I don't know what kind of super bouncy rubbers he had on that flip those flippers but yeah, some uh, super bands like you would just not i think it was just good old red but, oh really uh, okay i don't know you you would drop the flipper from a trap and the ball would start dribbling down the flipper <laughs> it's like instead of just rolling to make your shot it would bounce so mm. but, absolutely that was a great tournament though i think things are going to change a little bit here going forward um we're gonna talk about it here in the next segment uh we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, district 82 and uh, my first visit up there in green bay wisconsin and uh-huh. really sort of seeing the face of competitive pinball change since covid and you know um we used to go to tournaments where you you know bash your head against the wall for three days and hope that you qualified for for finals and the way it is now or at least the the formula the recipe that works for district 82 is you know five tournaments in three days and so you've you know you've got a reason to go out there you may stumble in one do well in others you know i i had a good weekend i played really well um and was able to be consistent through there but i mean that was a way to get people to play in a lot of events have a lot of opportunities for points and you know and win money too i mean i think well i'd have to say that i think that was pioneered by Mm -hmm. pinberg okay you know everybody just loved pinberg because they could go out and they get to play for at least a couple days straight sure but and, what 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 I what I think is going to change though is but Pinburg you had to play for three days, okay, and then yeah. they had the intergalactic, you know, 
uh, side yeah. tournament for those Losers that didn't. I, yeah, I was what we call the loser tournament. Um, <laughs> I played in a couple of those, no problem. But yeah, um, what, what what I'm getting at are these single day events. You play, you're done. You play, you're done. And now you've got five events that you're getting points for versus just getting a massive wallop of points for one event. With different formats? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. But I, I, I kind of feel like that might sort of be the wave of the future. I mean, you take a look at the, the circuit and we would go to circuit events and, you know, you go to like, say, Oklahoma. You and I went to Oklahoma a couple times. You yeah. know, you go, you play for a few days, and that's it. I mean, it's the one tournament. That's the one tournament, the one chance to win money, the one chance to get your whopper points. And and now, you know, we did it at Bang Back. We we had a weekend where we had a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, different formats, different um, different events, and four opportunities for you to get some money, get some points. So you don't. You know, you didn't have to play great for three days in a row. You could have a bad day and still be satisfied by winning something. So, yeah. Well, well I see. think the I think that's. I mean, the reason that that might become the future mm-hmm. is simply because the 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 whopper points and the farming basically yeah. of those points that's going on at those events. Yeah, is going to cause anybody that wants to go up the ranks to have to play to have in to those go type of thing yeah otherwise you're just behind yeah and uh so i mean because of that that is going to be the future so i think so i had a I had a really long I, talk i don't know how you get those maximum points out of that many events in that short of time but i haven't been yeah yeah they they definitely finagle their way for for tgp you know and uh or tpg i mean total total games play tgp and getting to 100 percent. and so i thought you know, that was tournament grading percentage is that what it is that was total yes. games played. okay <laughs> you probably know i uh i don't like to run events much anymore these days but i do ah. we uh yeah. we we need more directors we need more people to run events out here for sure i enjoy running my monthly still yes yes and and one one big one a year sure yes boy they they are stressful to run they are it's a lot of work and um you know you're better off not playing in your own events if you know you're doing them by yourself yeah no doubt that's that's my boat although my lovely daughter has been yes. stepping up to the plate right. and getting getting into uh a lot more of helping tournament direct and yes playing a lot more and it's great to see she's kind of got the bug now which yeah is really cool too Brittany's awesome lower well yep. listen man thank you for taking time with us we really appreciate it thanks for uh, joining us on the show um, my pleasure yeah i got to see you uh, a couple weeks ago made my heart really happy i uh, hadn't seen you since covid so uh looking well, forward to seeing you at worlds yeah we'll see you out in florida and uh thanks for having me for sure take care man we'll talk to you soon all right, all right. bye Fellowship of the Silver Ball is a collective of players and locations in the upstate area of South Carolina near Greenville. This is the longest running group of pinball events in the state. They also have the largest continuing monthly pinball in the country, oftentimes gathering over 60 players.
meets monthly on Fridays in the middle of the month, also runs weekend, multiple day, and location marathons. This is the heart of pinball in the Carolinas, family-friendly and stern rules about behavior, language, etc. Great people, instant friends, the fellowship of the silver ball. Everyone is welcome, so stop by and check out an event.